Welcome to Faith and Culture Now. Today we are joined by Josiah Presley. Josiah, good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I met Josiah several years ago uh, when he became a student in one of my classes here at the college. And um, during that class, I got to know him a little bit uh, and was just really impressed with, with him as a student and, and impressed with the work you were doing. And uh, you are now graduated, so you're a college grad, yep. recently engaged, so yes, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And um, so the other thing that uh, is worth noting here in this particular uh, interview is that you are also an abortion survivor. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And so that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And um, in our country, abortion has been and is continuing to be a major issue in politics, it's a major issue in ethics, it's a major issue in bioethics, dealing with health care. And uh, in our country, in 2017, uh, there was around 881,000 legal abortions. Of those, over 90% were done in the first trimester, mm -hmm. but uh, over 90% of those were also uh, uh, taken place by people who were between the ages of 20 and 30. And most of the time, the reasons given were that they were not ready to be a parent or could not, didn't feel like they could afford being a parent. Uh, or the other thing was that they had either already had kids and just were like, I, I can't have any more kids. Mm -hmm. um, so typically when we think of abortion, a lot of times the argument turns to the reasons why people have abortions mm -hmm. and the reasons that are often given especially in political debates and things are uh, issues of say um, you know domestic violence or other things of that nature and it turns out that less than 10 percent of abortions take place because of that kind of stuff and when it comes to teenagers having abortions they are less than three percent of all the legalized abortions and so it's certainly an epidemic in our country. Sure. Um, 881,000 is a lot. Um, in 2016, the, uh, the number reported was about 885,000. But in 2015, it was 912,000. And in 2014, 924,000. So the numbers have been declining, which is good. Mm -hmm. But the numbers are still astronomically high. Yeah. And so uh, what I wanted to talk with you about today is uh, uh, just sort of uh, allowing you to share your story, uh, sort of getting some input from you on the topic, and to also just talk a little bit about what does Scripture teach us about the value of life, and what should we as Christians think about the topic of abortion. So uh, to begin with, um, there are several passages in the Bible that deal with things like, um, you know, you form my inward parts. Mm -hmm. um, there's also um, verses about rescuing people from death. There's mm -hmm. great importance put in scripture on rescuing from people from death. And as Christians, while we're often known for the things we hate, uh, or the things that we're against, it's not really so much that we're trying to be against stuff, it's that we're for other stuff. Yes. And so with the issue of abortion, it's not that we hate women's rights or that we hate equality or that we're not for women. Yeah. It's really that we, we want to give a voice to the unborn child who literally cannot speak for itself. And so what are some of your thoughts on scripture and, and the topic and mm -hmm. uh, how Christians should view the topic? 
Yeah, so if we look at it um, from a, a scriptural standpoint, uh, we first we understand that human life in general is valuable. And it's valuable, why? Because human beings are created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And because they're created in the image of God, they're valuable. If we think to when Noah comes off the ark, and God tells him not to commit murder. And he says, why? Because man is created in God's image. And so all throughout mm -hmm. scripture, we see um, this understanding that human life is valuable because it's created in the image of God. Then we take that to the topic of abortion, and, and we have to ask ourselves, is the human life inside the mother's womb, is that a person or not? Right? And right. from a Christian standpoint, we say yes. Right? From, mm -hmm. from a biological standpoint, we say yes, that is a, a different being, that is its own person at conception. And we look at scriptures like Psalm 139, which talks about us being knitted together in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. um, and so, as believers, we automatically hold human life as valuable. And then the question becomes, well, in the womb, is it human life? And the answer, as we say as believers, is yes. The answers that biology and science give us are actually yes as well. And mm -hmm. so that means we then should value it as human life. And then that goes into all the other scriptures that talks about being a voice for the voiceless, right? Taking care of the orphan and the widow, taking care of those who cannot take care of themselves, speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves, and everything else uh, that we see in scripture that calls us to love our neighbors. That mm -hmm. then applies to the unborn too. Sure. Yeah, and one of the subjects in scripture is when, it, when Jesus says love your neighbor as mm -hmm. yourself people go well who is my neighbor yeah. and Jesus tells stories and he tells stories uh, where the person who's the neighbor is the people or is the person that the people he's speaking to would likely despise yeah. and he gives that as sort of an extreme example to show that you don't draw these lines up on this is my neighbor this is not my neighbor I don't have to care about these people yeah. and oftentimes when it comes to issues like this uh, it's not that um, it's not that we're just ignoring necessarily what, what we don't see, but because we don't see it, we don't think about it that mm -hmm. much. And so um, I think when people hear the numbers that are reported, this is how many babies didn't make it this year because of this mm -hmm. particular thing. And you could go, well, what about you know when it's medically necessary? Well, that may be, but very few of the circumstances reported legally are because of medical necessity. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you're still looking at this just astronomically high number. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize what it is because it's just not out there. They're just not thinking mm -hmm. about it. But when we as Christians want to, um, want to show our concern for our neighbors, we look at all these children with, with no voice and we go, no, some, somebody has to stand up for their right. Yeah. And as Christians, we should be the most humanitarian people of all yeah. because we know Christ yeah. and we're created in God's image, as you said. God created us as his representatives on this mm -hmm. planet to point people to God and also to rightfully care for everything here. Yeah. That includes animal life, it includes plant life, it also includes human life. Yeah. So. Sure. Very good. Well, we're going to come back in a minute, and when we do, we're going to talk about your story. Culture now, and uh, Josiah, thanks again for being with us today. Um, what I'd like to do now is just ask you if you could just tell us your story. Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from South Korea, uh, but I was adopted when I was 13 months old, and I was brought to the States, um, mm -hmm. where I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, that's where I spent 
the majority of my life up until coming down here to Criswell. Sure. Um, my parents, at the age of 13, they set me down and they told me a little bit more about my adoption story and what led up to the events mm -hmm. of my adoption. Um, and they told me about how my birth mother uh, in South Korea had actually had a curatage abortion um, due to financial difficulties uh, at two months pregnancy with me. Mm -hmm. So a curatage abortion, that's a type of abortion where the doctor goes into the mother's womb and rips the baby apart in pieces mm -hmm. and then brings them out. Um, and so at the time they thought everything had gone accordingly. They thought the abortion had been successful. And then a few months later they actually realized that the abortion had failed and I was actually still very much so alive, mm -hmm. uh, thank God. And so at that point uh, they then uh, carried me to term and I was born later on October 7th, 1995. Mm -hmm. and I was placed with Eastern Social Welfare Society, which is an adoption uh, foster home ministry in South Korea. And so I lived with a foster family for about a year before mm -hmm. I was brought over to the States and then grew up with my family here in Oklahoma. Yeah, very good. Um, how did you feel when you, when you learned the story? Uh, it was definitely uh, very hard uh, to accept. Uh, growing up, um, I had a deformed arm, as you can tell. Uh, and for years, I struggled with um, a lot of self-worth. Uh, before that, I struggled mm -hmm. with self-worth, just thinking I wasn't going to amount to anything, I was insignificant, thinking I was less than other people, even though I did all the things that a normal uh, you know, middle school boy does, mm -hmm. uh, I, I felt less than everyone else. And when my parents told me that, it actually uh, took me to a deeper level of um, depression Mm -hmm. in that uh, my mind shifted to, well, yeah, of course you are invaluable. Of course you are wor worthless. Yeah. Uh, your, your, own, your own mother, the woman who should have loved you the most, she tried to take your life two months in her pregnancy with you. That, that's how mm -hmm. worthless you are. And so I actually, uh, when they told me that, it impacted me greatly because it, um, it took me to a deeper level of depression. Um, I did all the right things now. I grew up in a church. I grew up... Uh, the son of a pastor did all the church things. Uh, I knew all the Bible answers. We knew abortion was wrong, so there wasn't any question about that. And so uh, when I heard that, it also created hatred in me for my birth parents, mm -hmm. for the choices they had made. Because all of a sudden, the reason I was the way I was, the reason I was messed up, the reason I was less than everyone else, was because of the choices they had made. And I blamed them, and I hated them for that. Mm -hmm. So I hated them. I hated myself. Um, and I dealt with that for a number of years, sure. um, up until really up until I was 16, and I got saved at church camp. Mm -hmm. And when the Lord got a hold of my life, and when He changed me, um, those things began to change as He affirmed my worth to Him, uh, the fact that uh, He loved me so much that when I was far from Him, He still came and sacrificed His Son on a cross for the punishment of my sins. To save me and to make me his son, mm -hmm. right? Um, it it worked on the hatred towards my parents, um, the fact that he'd forgiven me of so much. Yeah. How could I not, in turn, forgive them of the little they've done to me in comparison to the wrongs I've committed against a just and perfect and holy God? Sure. And so yeah, everybody's parents are imperfect. You know? Yeah. My parents did stuff that I didn't like. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a normal thing. I think somebody could look at your situation and go, yeah, but his parents, I mean, he had no say in some really bad stuff. Yeah. And you, even yourself, look at what Christ has done for you, mm -hmm. and you go, 
well, if he's done this, then why can't I yeah. forgive others? Yeah. And um, in the model prayer that Jesus gives us in the gospel, you know, he talks about how you say, you know, God forgive us, mm -hmm. not as I should forgive other people, yeah. but as we have forgiven other people, meaning yeah. that we recognize that there is a need for us to forgive, and we are expected to do that forgiving mm -hmm. prior to going to God in prayer. Yeah, yeah, and, and without a doubt, um, if it wasn't for the forgiveness God has extended to me, there's no way I know I would have been able to extend forgiveness to them. Sure. Um, apart from the gospel changing me. Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, when it comes to um, your time after you got saved, mm -hmm. uh, after you began to learn to, uh, to sort of let go of a lot of that anger, mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that you sort of began to see more value in yourself as well. Yeah. Not just because of what you had overcome, but mm -hmm. also because of what Christ had done for you. Yeah. And um, I'm guessing that you know, if you're thinking, well, Christ has Christ mm -hmm. died for me, yeah. my value isn't necessarily in the, of myself. Yeah. My value is in Him. Yeah. Um, but um, how how did the how did the process of learning to forgive your parents really affect you over the long run? Like what? What sort of brought about that change besides just knowing that God had forgiven you? Yeah, so for me it started um, shortly after I uh, became saved. It started with conviction over the fact that I hadn't forgiven them. Mm -hmm. So over the fact that I did hold this grudge to them, God mm -hmm. started to work on my heart with that. Um, and then as he started to work on my heart uh, in those regards, he kept showing me thing and thing and thing um, just time and time again of the ways he poured so much grace and mercy onto my life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for instance, uh, it made me view adoption in a different way. Mm -hmm. It made me view my parents in a different way. Um, just the love that I then had for them. These people who were thousands of miles away from me owed me absolutely nothing. They said, hey, here's a boy who needs a home. And we're going to adopt him, mm -hmm. and we're going to make him our son. Sure. And so as I considered the fact that I had been adopted by my parents, as I considered the fact that that's a picture of the way that God adopts us into his family, right? Mm -hmm. How he, when we, when he owed nothing to us, still paid the ultimate price to come and make us his children. And in a similar way, my adopted parents, they had paid a price to make me their son. Right. As I considered my story more, um, we believe that I have a deformed arm because of the abortion. We're not positive, but considering the type of abortion, it's likely that's the reason I have a deformed arm. Mm -hmm. But because of my deformed arm, I was considered special needs. And special needs children are harder to adopt out. It's a, it's a sad reality, but they're harder to get adopted. And so Dillon International, the adoption agency I was adopted through, had actually run a special... Um, a little highlight about me in their newsletter to send out to try mm -hmm. to um, sp uh, bring light to my situation to get people to adopt me. Mm -hmm. And it was that little article they ran that my parents saw that made them go, oh, we can adopt this guy. Yeah. We can make him our son. Here, here's, here's who we're going to adopt. And so just seeing the different ways that God had used um, that, that evil, honestly, in my life, how he used it for my good, 
Mm -hmm. um, how he used it to bring me into a family that would love me. How he used it to bring me into a family that would pour the gospel into me. How he used it to bring me into a family that would provide me the opportunities that my family's given me. Mm -hmm. um, as, as he showed those things to me and as he convicted me of the fact that I wasn't forgiving them when he had forgiven me, that's really what brought about forgiveness yeah. um, full circle for me. Yeah, so and with, with understanding the love of God, I mean, we look at God loves humanity, mm -hmm. but we often talk about, you know, God's grace is a free gift. But really something we should focus on is that God loves us despite the fact that we are unholy yeah. and that we don't deserve yeah. His perfect love. Yeah. And when He does love us and we accept that love, we are considered to be adopted into the family of God. And when you look at adoption, um, you know, many adoption agencies were originally started by Christian mm -hmm. organizations. But when you look at the story of Jesus Christ, he mm -hmm. was in a sense adopted mm -hmm. by Joseph. Yeah. And he was brought up by Mary and Joseph. Uh, you know, they're raising the Son of God. And um, when we look at adoption today, many times the families don't meet the child before they get the child. Yeah. They just sort of, you know, they're told you can mm -hmm. you can adopt this particular person. Yeah. They say yes. Then they go meet the child for the first time after they've already committed to yeah. having the child. Yeah. And so um, you could even sort of see a correlation there between the fact that when people adopt children, they're oftentimes doing it out of their own love and goodness mm -hmm. towards that child and not based on anything the child has actually merited. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people who have abortions mm -hmm. and later regret having mm -hmm. those abortions. Um, what, are, what are some things you would like to say to maybe people that find themselves in that situation uh, where they've made a choice and they, they have a hard time maybe forgiving themselves mm -hmm. or um, forgiving the people that convinced them that that was a good choice to make? Yeah. Well, I think, I think first we have to recognize that it was a wrong choice. Mm -hmm. We do have to recognize. Um, we can't you know, um, cover up the fact that a wrong choice was made and that choice resulted in a life being lost. Mm -hmm. But just because it was a wrong decision, it doesn't mean that has to define you. Right? Right. And there's forgiveness for that. There's a wrong decision, but there's forgiveness for those wrong decisions. And just like that was a wrong decision, I've made so many wrong decisions in my life. You've made so many wrong decisions in your life. Mm -hmm. But there's still forgiveness that's been extend to, extended to us, and that same amount of forgiveness is extended to them through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think um, that's the what we always have to come back to. The fact that abortion is wrong, that was a wrong decision. But that was a wrong decision before a holy and just God. That's who it's a wrong decision before. Mm -hmm. And that same God says, in the midst of your wrong decisions, I still sent my son to die for the punishment of your sins, so that if you turn to me, I will forgive you and make you my child. Yeah. And we so often let our decisions in our past define us negatively. Mm -hmm. They keep us from doing things that would be better for everyone around us and for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, we sort of create a wall out of our bad decisions that other people may not even see or know is there, mm -hmm. but that we have a hard time getting over. 
And so, uh, just as you're saying, you know, look, you recognize that you did something wrong, but you also recognize that despite doing something wrong, God still loves you. God still offers you forgiveness, and He still wants to use you yeah. for His glory and for His goodness. Yeah. So, there are potentially people that could watch this who are considering having an abortion. What's, uh, what's some advice you'd like to give to those, to those individuals? Yeah, um, the first thing I would say is God loves you. God loves you, and hopefully there are believers in your life who love you enough too, right, to tell you that that's a wrong decision. But God loves you, and I, and I pray there are believers in your life showing you God's love. But God also loves that child. Mm -hmm. God also loves that unborn child, and God has a purpose for that child's life. And that is not the decision you need to make. That is, yeah. that is not the choice, that is not the only choice you have set before you. There's always a choice to choose life. And it's always the right choice, no matter how hard it might be, no matter how difficult it might be, that's always the right choice. And even if choosing life means giving up the child mm -hmm. after the child's born to another family to raise the child, yeah. um, you're still giving that child an opportunity to really have a good, productive, fulfilling life. Yeah. And the gospel is all about life. Yeah. Christ came so that we could have eternal life. Yeah. God created so that we could live. Mm -hmm. um, death is a result of sin. Mm -hmm. And sin is a result of rebellion against mm -hmm. God. And because we as Christians believe in life, um, we believe in preserving life. So the reason we stand against abortion is to give voice to the mm -hmm. un, uh, unvoiced child in the womb, but also because we believe that because God is the author mm -hmm. of life, that any time a life is conceived, that we should do all we can to preserve that life. And we want to preserve life so that that child can experience all that God created life to be for people. Yeah. Josiah, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, I really sure. appreciate you. And you know, you were obviously in a very bad situation. A lot of good has really come from it. Yeah. Your story highlights that everybody is valuable. You've shown yourself to be fully capable of anything that anyone else is capable of. I think just being able to, to see you and people being able to say, oh, okay, this guy actually experienced what, what we're trying to prevent and he lived. It's a testimony to show God's goodness and it's a testimony to show that there are better options. There are more reasonable options. Those options promote sanctity, they promote value, they promote goodness, they promote the love of God. God is the author of life. So, Alright, well thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. We'll see you next time.